come to God's Word this morning, it's good for us to remember that we need help. We need His Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds so that we might better understand who He is to love and to serve Him with all that we are. So let us pray now for His help. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning and we admit that we come to You as a mixed people, that we have ulterior motives, that we come to you more often for what you can do for us and what you give us rather than for who you are. Lord, we pray this morning as we look to your word that you would open our hearts and our minds, that your spirit would soften us to the goodness of your gospel, that we would hear afresh this morning how much you have loved us in Jesus Christ, that you would point us to the way everlasting. Lord, we pray especially now that as we come to study Romans 11, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we turn to the passage this morning, let us remember God's word from last week. After looking at the first part of Romans 11, we began to see that God does not, in fact, have a backup plan. Instead, He has determined from all of time to uphold and to maintain His remnant people in the grace of Jesus Christ our Lord. What's more, He he has extended that grace even beyond the covenant community of Israel, the Old Testament people of God. You see, in Jesus Christ and the new covenant, We see that God has opened this great family even to us, Gentiles. We must understand that this action is solely based on His prerogative. If, for even a second, we become lazy in our thinking, and we begin to move beyond grace by thinking that our inclusion stems from merit or right, then we have gone beyond the gospel. Our partaking in the covenant community occurs only because of Christ and His rich love for us. Which, of course, He accomplished in becoming like us in His being obedient to God our Father. Because of this, let us now turn to God's Word for hope and for our encouragement. Hear now as I read from Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles. And as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles... I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their full acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. 
If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not be proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will He spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Here ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Last week I told you that I really loved movies. And true to form, I saw a movie this past week. I don't know if you have seen it, but if you haven't, I encourage you to go see uh, the new Superman remake, Man of Steel. I promise it won't disappoint you, even if you have loyalty to Christopher Reeves being the only Superman. Uh, it was a wonderful movie, but, but in that movie I was struck by how much it parallels the first half of our passage. You see, Paul is speaking to the Roman church. He's explaining to them why the covenant community was extended to the Gentiles by grace. He says that it was extended. The Jews stumbled in their pride, in their commitment to the law, so that the Gentiles might be grafted in. And he says they were grafted in so that the Jews might be jealous, that they might be saved, that they might turn from their wicked way of the law and the dependence on their own merit to God's grace. And without giving away too much of the movie, you see the story of Superman is very, very close to that. You have in the story Krypton, the world, the home world of Superman. It was a dying planet. Krypton actually means a death chamber, essentially. And you have those who were dying on Krypton, you have them holding fast to their old way of life. And yet here comes Superman one born not according to their customs or the ordinary way of Kryptonians, and they were infuriated by it. They didn't like it. Who is this that he should be different from us, yet have all the privileges and the blessings of being a Kryptonian? And so they cast him off. And of course, as you know, he comes to make earth his home. This is much like the Gentiles accepting the blessings of the covenant community, the privileges of being superman or a superhuman, yet without abiding in the customs and the laws of that old race of Kryptonians, and thus the conflict of the whole movie, and I won't spoil anything for you. But you know, that is a little bit about what Paul is talking about. The Gentiles came in, but Paul continues. We saw last week that it was not by the basis of works that the Jews were counted as righteous. They were not chosen by race, as we said, but they were chosen by grace, but they failed to realize this. The Gentiles knew it inherently because they were not of the race of the Jews. They could not be counted as righteous before God's eyes 
as Jews because they were not Jews. So they knew instinctively that it must be by grace. But Paul encourages them after having experienced the blessings of the covenant community. He says, I am now speaking to you Gentiles. He says, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Because it would mean life from the dead. You see, the Gentiles were very tempted to come into the covenant community and say, Look, Jews, we don't have to do everything your way. We have a better privilege and a better status. And rightfully so, that infuriated the, it infuriated the Jews. I think of it like this, and we've all probably experienced it in some form or fashion. If you are at work and a new employee comes in, maybe they got the job because of their family or a connection that they had. And let's just say for a moment that the rules apply to them just a little bit differently because of who they are. It's not based on their performance or their track record or their merit, but on who they know. That doesn't set well with you, does it? If you don't like that, you're evaluated on your performance. You're evaluated on the status before your employer. That's a little bit like the Gentiles. They were not evaluated on their performance or their status. Superman had not, in fact, been born like the rest of Krypton. He had not gone through the rituals. In fact, at birth, he was sent off to another land, another culture. And that's a little bit like what it means to be a Gentile. But Paul warns them, do not boast in front of the Jews. For the whole point of being grafted in is to make the Jews jealous so that they would see the futility of the law to save them. That they would see the discrepancy that their world is dying and they cannot cling to it any longer. But they must seek a different way. And I won't give anything away, but you've seen this. If you've seen the trailer, you know the S on Superman's suit. He says in the, in the movie, well, in my world, that's not an S. It means hope. You see, Superman was the emblem of hope. He was the different way according to his people. In fact, he was the only way of their salvation. Now, I'm not saying that the Gentiles were the salvation for the Jews, but God used them in his divine sovereignty to bring about an awakening in the Jews. And we see this in many of the early churches. We see Jews coming to grapple with Jesus Christ because of the Gentiles, because of the conflicts that arise in the church. Even in our day and age, because of conflicts that come up in our church all too often, we shy away from them. We sweep them under the rug. But just like the story of Joseph, God says, I am using this for your good. Even though you may mean it for evil, I bring about all things for your good because I love you. But you know, our passage continues on and Paul begins to outline an image of what it means to be grafted into the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I was in college Uh, I participated in a ministry called RUF. It stands for Reformed University Fellowship. And Paul Patrick, the College of Erskine, or the chaplain of Erskine College and Seminaries, uh, leading that ministry. And he had on right outside of his house, uh, in the midst of his patio, he had this great little tree. Uh, It was a dogwood. It was somewhat um, dying, but he was trying to nurse it back to health. And half the tree had been affected. I don't know if it was a disease in the tree or if it was struck by lightning. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, But it was a white dogwood tree. And it was a beautiful picture of the gospel because he had taken on that dead half right above the knot where he'd cut it off. He'd taken 
two or three branches of another pink dogwood tree from elsewhere on his property, and he'd grafted it into the tree. And it had begun to take root and take life. And you see this beautiful picture of a tree that is mixed. I don't know if you've ever seen a tree that has uh, different color blooms under one canopy, but it's quite beautiful. Uh, and, and Paul, bless his heart, expanded his patio and tore up the tree, and I hated him for it. I thought, what in the world are you doing? You have this great picture of the gospel, and you uproot it and throw it out. But it's not my tree nor my patio. But you see there, that's the image of what Paul is saying. As a, Truth be told, as a point of fact, the pink dogwood tree that he, he saved these branches from to graft into the white dogwood tree, that tree was actually dying. It was on its last leg. And so he had taken these branches, barely sustaining life, seemingly having no life in themselves, soon to be cast off into the fire, and he grafted them back in to the covenant community of this white dogwood tree. And they flourished, and they came to life. But, beloved, Paul does not want us to miss the point. You see, far too often in our church, in this church, but in the church universal, we take pride in the color of our bloom. You see, the Jews were like the white dogwood. See, I've always grown up as a beautiful white dogwood. They take pride in that status. So they see these alien branches coming in, these, these pink dogwood trees. They haven't had to go through the, the toil of growing as a white dogwood. And they come in and they're just grafted, brought back to life. And far too often we can despise them for that. Or we can be the pink dogwood. We could be grafted into a point where there is death and say, Look, there was death there. These were chopped off so that there might be room for me, a Gentile, to come in and to bring about new life. Paul says, I don't want you to miss the point, brothers. Don't be arrogant toward the branches. Whether you're Jews or Gentiles, don't be arrogant towards your fellow branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. You see, we are all like that mixed dogwood tree. Far too often we take pride in the status symbols that we have. We place our identity in things other than our connection to the root that is Jesus Christ. We take pride in the way we dress for church. We take pride in the way that we worship. We take pride in the status of our job. Beloved, we take pride in many, many things that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is begging us he says, don't miss the point of being grafted into the body of Jesus. It's not that the branch would point to its blooms or its flowers. It's that the branch that is dying would point to the new life given to it in Jesus Christ. It is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. But he continues on. and He gives us even more good news. He says, even if they, that is the Jews, even if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. Beloved, I ask you, as our sermon is titled, if you are neutral or stagnant or apathetic, if you're feeling burdened by this life, if you are feeling depressed, if you are despairing, 
or if you've just grown hardened to the grace of Jesus Christ. You may be wondering, how can I be saved? How can I be grafted in again? Or how do I know that I'm grafted in? I'm attached to the tree. I come to church every Sunday. I seemingly am a part of the body. Beloved, it's if you're growing. You see, for the the branch that's grafted in does not grow down into the tree. It is the tree and the root that grows up into the branch to give it life. You see, our union with Christ is very similar to this. It's as if Christ, the life-giving force of the universe, His eternal life is mysteriously connected to us by His Spirit. That's why Paul says, that will their acceptance mean but life from the dead. If we're bound to Christ, His life will be so infused in us. It's like a great rich sap that runs into us and causes us to grow and to grow with fervor. Do you know you say the Christian life is hard. It's full of thorns and weeds. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. Beloved, I would say that's how you know that you're growing. This week, uh, Tom Anderson and many other wonderful saints were here taking care of our grounds and they were pruning some of our bushes. And you know, that's a great example of what it means to be bound to Christ. You see, the pruning is not bad. The growth is not bad. But it's necessary. Because it's, it's as if we were bound to Christ, we're knit to Him by the Spirit. And as His life pumps into our deadness, as He causes us to grow by His grace, all of the infirmities of our soul, all of the impurities of our sin and rebellion come up to the surface like bushes that are overgrown. And God, the great vine dresser, comes and clears it off. And He shapes us and He molds us more and more into the image of His Son. So we shouldn't reject that pruning process. We shouldn't reject the uncomfortableness of the Gospel But instead, we should focus on our union to the root. Our being bound to Christ and His grace. You might be wondering to yourself this morning, how in the world do I do that? I seem to be attached, but I'm just not growing. I want to grow. I seek the nourishment that I know only Jesus can give me. How do I do that? Well, we didn't have our children's sermon, but this was going to be the object lesson for it. You know, we're a lot like this phone. Not because it's an iPhone, just because it's a phone or any electronic device. You see, far too often we go about living and we're running on batteries. And we can stay charged for a while. We can continue on, seemingly apart from the vine. But what inevitably happens to this phone? It dies. The battery runs out. You meet the end of your own quota. And that will happen. Because we are sinful and we are finite. So how do you remedy that? You plug it back into the vine. You plug it back into the power source. In fact, the best way of living is to be constantly plugged in. Now just a quick caveat. You probably shouldn't leave your phone plugged in all the time. It will kill the battery. But we're not wired that way. We're wired to be constantly grafted into Jesus our Lord. So that every time that you pray, you are seeking the great sap of life. Every time that you come to the Word, you are seeking to be pruned by the great vine dresser. 
Every time that you worship with the body of Christ, you are looking to the fellowship and saying, wow, look at those pink blooms over there. Look at those yellow blooms. I had no idea God in His wonderful mastery of creation could create so many intricate members of the body of Christ. You don't look and say, who's this white bloom coming into the vine over here? He's not like me. Why is that pink bloom acting that way? You marvel at God's goodness to bring about so many different people into the body from every tribe, nation, and tongue. You see... The mystery of salvation is not that all white blooms would be saved or pink blooms. The mystery of salvation is that any would be saved at all. For all were dead. If you took the white dogwood tree, if you uprooted it out of the ground, you would see that Israel had nothing of its own. It was only as they were connected to the presence of God the Father. You see, they took pride in the tent of meeting. And not meeting with God. They took pride in their sacrificial systems. And not the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that temptation is there for you and I. Do we take pride in other things? Or do we take pride in our connection to Jesus Christ? Beloved, I pray it be not so. We must seek Him while He may be found. And if you are burdened. I want you to take heart in this image. Superman, when he came to the earth, he was a foreigner. He was an alien, was he not? He had to be acclimated into our climate and our system. More and more, unlike Krypton, more and more like an earth being. You and I are the very same. In fact, we know that Superman's greatest weakness was what? Was kryptonite. It was that symbol of the old way, of the old man. What once was his strength and his power had now become his greatest weakness. You and I are like that. Do you believe even this morning you are an eternal being? In Jesus Christ, you are living for eternity right now. Do you believe that? If you do, then you should not marvel at the fact that living in this world is your greatest weakness. You should not marvel at the fact that being an eternal creature infused with the love and the grace and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ will make you weak in the eyes of our world. In fact, it will cripple you. The burden of this life will lead you to despair. More and more your sin will rise to the surface like an unruly bush in need of pruning. God will need to come along and to take care of you. But beloved, that is the picture that we have of salvation. We are eternal beings. So in this dying world, in our krypton, this age, bound to sin and rebellion, we should expect to be uncomfortable. We should expect to be despondent at times. As Christ Himself says, we should expect persecution from our world. But beloved, take heart because God promises that it is eternal life that makes you so. Isn't that funny? Doesn't that sound like the most ironic statement in the world? If we, in fact, are living for eternity, why do we feel so weak? If we, in fact, are supermen and superwomen, sons and daughters of the Most High, why is it that in this age we are so crushed, perplexed, burdened, 
because God wants us to depend on the vine and not ourselves. He says it's not you who support the root. It is the root that supports you. It is Jesus Christ whom you must seek. In fact, who we know from all of eternity as the great missionary has come and has sought us to be his people. That is freely offered to each and every one of us. That burdens me. That tires me. But it gives me great hope. It gives me eternal hope. It gives me rest. It gives me security. Knowing that I am bound to Christ. Knowing that I have eternal life. Do you know that? Heavenly Father,